Tonight on this very mic, you're about to hear. We, we swear, swear the, the best, best podcast of the year. So, so here we go. Scream Bravo. Also, if you didn't know, this is our show. Hey, I like that. Here we go. Erica, the life. Welcome, welcome, welcome to America 20 to Life. I'm your host, Mike Lynn, here with my beautiful wife and co-host, Erica Lynn. What's up, babe? What's up, y'all? Gotta turn these headphones up a little bit. I can barely okay. hear myself. There we go. <laughs> All right, y'all, we here with... Uh, I'm going to turn down just a little bit. We're here with a uh, show, a uh, special show, because it's a little late, but it's on our normal Monday. I know we missed all last week and possibly a part of last week, the week before that, but that's okay. Uh, our last show was gaining traction, so we're letting that, <laughs> letting that move. Letting that build. So anyways, we are here with our uh, our city council after show to just give you some breakdowns of what took place. And I hope if you can share this out or if anybody's listening after the fact, uh, this is a lot of good information, man. And, and this is really like if you go to council meetings, city council meetings, and you sit through those meetings and there's tons of things that go through your mind, tons of things that you want to say, tons of stuff that you're like, what is going on? Well, we're about to talk about all that now. So uh strap in your seat belts and get get tied into this because it's, it's a lot of information it's a lot to happen today um mainly the city budget was on for council or city council of the whole so cow uh committee of the whole i'm sorry uh they talked about the city budget and a couple main portions of that that i thought was important was the um parks department was on there neighborhood engagement was on there and uh, a human resources was on there, which human resources, I've got a lot to say about what, what took place and what transpired there. Uh, we know that Elizabeth O'Leary is now the, the, the director. I don't think she's interim anymore. Uh, Elizabeth O'Leary has been there for probably seven or eight years. I think she had been there two years when Andy Shore took over. Uh, if you don't know about Elizabeth O'Leary, she sat through all of my complaints, every single one of the complaints I had with the city. She's she seen me talk to them through tears, you know, begging them for help. She was there through all that process. Uh, she's also the, the person who showed up as the interim HR director to my federal lawsuit against the city. And uh, and basically, I thought I thought anyways, helped our helped our case. She was being very honest. So I will commend uh, Elizabeth O'Leary for that aspect. She she got on stand and was honest uh truth told the truth best the way she could uh didn't try to you know lie or didn't try to uh you know sugarcoat anything to be what it wasn't uh but now she's the hr director i don't know what her abilities are in that position i know she didn't start off there i think she started off in the city attorney's office doing some labor, labor negotiation stuff and then now she's the hr director so hopefully that works out well i can say that i wasn't i wasn't um i personally wasn't excited about her budget responsibility to the council and the questions that they were asking. Um, one of the main questions they got asked by uh, Carol Wood, of all people, uh, and I appreciate Carol for asking this question because it was one I would have wanted to know. Uh, what are they doing for diversity, equity and inclusion training within HR? Because, I mean, she was obviously stating 
she was asking the question because of all of the stuff that's come out of HR department, right? Mm -hmm. So she's watching all this. And that was her way of asking, like, what are you guys doing about that? What type of training are you doing? And I thought Elizabeth's response was terrible. Uh, she ho-hummed around about, no yeah, she ho-hummed around about, like, it's really, I don't really want to get above, you know, in front of anybody else because I think HRCS is doing some of this and this, that. But you're the HR department. You're the heart of the city. Like she said, that was her quote. We're the heart of the city where everything pumps out of us. And you're right. So that is, that's where the stuff needs to start at. And I can say as of today, as it sits right here right now, I still have contacts with the fire department. I still talk to my guys over there that I've been talking to since I hired on there. They have mentioned they have stated to me that there has not been anything by way of any type of diversity, inclusion training for it for the rank and file at this at the city fire department. So all of these lawsuits that came out of there, out of that fire department and everything that happened, this HR department has still not mandated training for them. And that was a part of the reason why they got found guilty of what happened to me, because they didn't mandate training even way back then. So that's 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 deplorable, in my opinion. Uh, that's the derelict of duty um, outside of that. Uh, when they asked them about the budget and, you know, all the money inside their budget and so on and so forth, there was this twenty five thousand dollars that Carol asked about where that money is for training. And what are you doing with that? And, and Elizabeth really didn't have a good response for it. Well, you know, if any training comes up for us at HR or anything like that. And I thought me as a council member, had I been sitting up there, I'd have asked the right question. I would have said that the mandates that the federal government department of justice has put you all through because you got found through a settlement process. I shouldn't say found guilty because you didn't get found guilty, but through a settlement process mandated you all through an investigation to go through retaliatory training, um, uh, discrimination training mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. There's mandates for this, for this next year. Yep. So when, when Elizabeth walked back up that from the dais, I asked her, I asked her, I said, Hey, real quick, uh, that federal mandates that you guys are under for diversity training and so on, the HR department is because of how you guys handle this other situation. Is that going to cost you any money being mandated to do that training? And she said, yeah. And I was like, well, why didn't you name that to them when they asked you about your funding money for training? She was like, well, I didn't think I'd be asked that question. So like, this is what it tells me. First of all, and I'm going to name this too. And I'm sorry, Eric, I'm, I'm way over talking, but this is all stuff that oh, I was, this is all stuff that I was thinking about constantly <laughs> while I was sitting at this council meeting. First of all, we've got, I believe, nine yeah. people that have signed up for at large positions. And I believe there's probably another six that signed up for the two ward positions. And out of all those people, the only person that I see two people that I see at the council consistently is Farhan Sheikh Omar and Nicholas Sandy. Yeah. Those are the only two people that I see at council or paying attention to politics. And I'm tired of this this un, this thought process that you can just be a loved person in the community and come do this work down here. I know more than I know more. I would say that I have a greater ability of tying the, the dots together and putting all the lines together than probably half of our sitting council right now and everybody on the list of people running for council. And I'm not saying that that's a negative towards people, because, again, like Farhan has a great understanding of all this and he put his name on the list. Thank you. And then Nicholas Zandi has a great understanding. Kids, I think he's 19 years old, right? 20 yeah, years old, maybe. Not even, I don't think. But this is a second time running for council. Uh, but he's at every single meeting. Pop, 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 pop. Learning, seeing it from out here in the, in the audience, just like I've been for the last five years. But the point I'm making with this is if you don't know all of this and all of this stuff going on, you can't ask the right questions when you're sitting up there asking questions of the people, the directors that are sitting here talking to you. Because... It's, it's like I have to think about it from one or two levels. Are you hiding it 
from the people by not asking the correct question? Or do you just not know? It's one of those two things. When you don't ask, when you're sitting looking at the HR department's budget and you don't ask them how much it's going to cost them to go through their mandatory training they have to go through because they've been found to be discriminatory in practice, you don't ask that question. When I've been at city council three times in the last month and a half, two months, yep. telling you all there's a federal, there was a federal investigation. The Department of Justice came in and investigated that HR department in the city of Lansing for discrimination. And then they came up with findings through a settlement and mandated that HR department and the police department to go through federal trainings around retaliation and discrimination. So when you're sitting up there as the, as the council, I think there was only six there today and you're sitting up there and you don't think to ask that question when we're talking about budgetary stuff. It's concerning to me. It makes me think, are you hiding it or you just don't know to draw the lines in comparison right. here? Exactly. Or do you just not care? But that's why I say take the care out of this because a lot of people don't care about racism. Right. They care about their own issue, like more trees and parks and stuff like that. They don't really care about racism. Take that out of it because everybody in the whole city of Lansing cares about where your money's going. So yep. if we're just thinking about it from that perspective, the thing that's costing the city mo the most money right now are lawsuits and discrimination. That's the thing that's costing the city dollars that aren't that they were not expended upon and not put in the budget. And this is money that we're paying to attorneys. We're paying the million dollar lawsuits to me. That's going to actually end up being like one point seven five at the end because they refuse to settle it. The things that are popping up, you know how like when you're driving your truck and all of a sudden your tire busts or for what happened to us, our RV had the Cadillac converter stolen, which is a whole nother story that I'm guaranteed we got to talk about tonight. At some point. But you're, you know, you're just going through your day to day. You go out and start your truck and then it makes all this loud noise. And then not only does it do that, but we find out that doing that and then trying to start it during that process can throw out your PCM computer in the car too, will cost you another $800, $900. So you're $3,200 into this repair. You had no idea you were going to have to make. That's what this stuff at HR and the city of Lansing getting sued all the time is costing us mm -hmm. as a people. That's what it's costing us. Mm -hmm. So if we're just going to think about what is siphoning money out of us that's unexpected, it's lawsuits. Because where did we expect to pay a million dollars out from? So this is what I'm saying to hear the HR and not have any answer to Carol when she asked that question. But then also not to hear counsel come back with, hey. You guys are under federal mandate. It just seems to me like people are trying to hide the fact because I know Carol knows. I know all the council knows because they listen when we go up there. I had to say something to one of the council members today like, yo, why didn't y'all ask this question? Don't y'all listen to us? I've been here for the last three council meetings saying this and you ain't listening. Yo, they got a federal mandate that's going to cost them a lot of money. You got to put like a whole department through training. That's that's not cheap. Like, it's not cheap to put each individual through this training or to have somebody come here and do this. It's going to cost money. Where's that money coming from? Exactly. And nobody thought to ask that question. And it's important we come with facts because we don't I, I, I always that's why I get on here and I don't have my laptop. So I'm like running on the phone. But it's important that you see for yourself um, because we casually talk about things and mention things or whatever. This was federally mandated by the Department of Justice. So this was serious. Like it made national news in a lot of the circles when it comes to like, you know, the Department of Justice. So I linked in the story where it actually talks about the specific verbiage. Um, but yeah, when you get mandated something by the Department of Justice, they ain't paying it. for it. <laughs> no, they're not. This is on your nine. Yeah. And so for them, not to, to just... mention the 60 grand they had to pay out to that woman who sued, plus all the back wages and exactly. everything else. And we literally just have zero conversations about it. So when they're coming in and we're talking about, you know, budgets and we're talking about this, this or that, 
it, it really dumbfounds me how we just leave really key things out of the budget conversations, like how we're going to pay out lawsuits that are already settled that have to be paid, right? It doesn't matter what motions or spaghetti they're throwing on the wall or trying to make it stick or whatever the case may be. When you budget, whether you're a department, whether you're an organization, you're a company, doesn't matter. If you have a budget, even your household budget, you have to budget for what could be. It doesn't matter if you're going to try to do anything to appeal a verdict or whatever the case may be. It got brought down. So that means you have a few cases that there is a judgment against Our you. Our lawsuit so, budget should be like $50 million because all the lawsuits that we have in. coming up, like Anthony Hulon's lawsuit, even if they settle that, it's going to cost us upwards of $8 million. But they just don't talk about it. Yeah. Or the costs associated, like I said, you know, the DOJ mandate. Like like you said, it was a perfect question to ask. Like, isn't that going to cost money? Yeah. How, you know, we all know it is. But the it, thing to, is, to they put only, training to everybody. The like, problem is the HR doesn't have to come back. I know. Unless you call them in specifically for that. They don't have to come back for that discussion. And I, this is what I think. This is what I feel about this process. I feel like counsel is good at heart. I don't believe that the majority of the counsel are out here trying to just screw the public. I think they're good at heart. I think that there's been this model of when, when working in the city of Lansing that we're supposed to play fair and nice. And I shouldn't even say fair, just nice. We're supposed yeah. to play nice, it's, it, which is why, like, you know, to have a mayor show up to Brian T. Jackson's constituent meeting, like he had to come back to council and say that, like, we appreciate, you know, I want to make a, a appreciation to uh, Mayor Shore for showing up to our constituent meeting. Why? That's his literal well, that's his job. job. Like, thanks for doing your fucking job, sir. Like, why do we have to always like, like, it's like you can almost, it's almost like the bad kid. Like, you got three kids. Erica, you're the middle child, right? <laughs> so Erica was the middle child that never got in trouble. And I'm not going to name which of the other two got in some trouble, but there was a kid over top and a kid underneath that got in trouble. So, like, the one kid that gets in trouble all the time, when they do anything good, it's like we have to celebrate it. We have to like throw a party for this. And the middle child who does nothing wrong is sitting here thinking like, damn, that's all they got to do to get some praise is just show up someplace. But there, that's that whole like this this mentality around Lansing politics that everybody has to get along and be nice and nobody can call out anybody's dysfunction in public. So like they all know council all knows how dysfunctional everything is and like how corrupt things are. But it's like when they get the council, they have to put on this show of like acceptability and everything is cool and you can guarantee that as soon as the javel goes and the meeting is over they go back into the room and they're disgusted with this guy they're disgusted with the administration they're 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 fielding complaints from everybody and they're frustrated but why not say that why not say you're frustrated because that's where accountability comes from if you think about anybody that's doing harm for a long point of time if you look at the history of how they were able to do it so long a lot of times people knew they were doing wrong but nobody would say anything so another person gets hurt and then another person gets hurt. And then it's like, damn, why didn't you, you knew that? Why didn't you say something? I wouldn't have gotten hurt if you had said something when, you, when it was you or when you knew about it way back then. Look at Michigan State. Like you can just see the pattern of this across the country of these these defunctory places that do stuff like this to people. And everybody around is just quiet. We watched the whole thing with Trump. Like all of these people sat around Trump just being silent. And you're just begging them just to say something like say you don't approve of that. Say you don't shoot, at least say you don't there, approve of it. There is something to be said by of of simply denouncing behavior, simply denouncing someone. Remember, they used to constantly try to get 
Trump to do that. And that was a big point of contention where they would want him to just denounce a comment or denounce something. Why is that? Why do you think that that was like a big thing? And people are, oh, you're so offended. And th that's not it. But denouncing something does something when there's people that are only listening to little key parts of something. They'll listen. They'll catch that denouncement. That's so right. that that means that it's an equalizer. It's combating misinformation, false information, propaganda, gaslighting, lying, uh, corruption. So when when you hold someone accountable, sometimes it's just simply by saying, "I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that policy. I don't agree yeah. with that." Vote. That's it. And in respectability politics is something I have a huge issue with because it is so so dangerous. Yeah. Like respect respectability politics, I think create systemic issues and they they exacerbate systemic issues because we're so worried like we need to normalize the fact that you don't have to be loud and boisterous and rude and disrespectful in your the, your approach or the way that you say something right you don't have to do that no one is saying that and you don't have to agree with every single thing that the people around you said. You don't have to go above and beyond and thank people for the bare ass minimum. Like, when are we going to get a, by the way, thank you so much for finally going over the budget with a fine tooth comb and actually not asking for raises this year and actually diverting some of that money to some things that we're going to see some impact on in the next six months. Let me hear a thank you for that. I don't need to hear thank you for cutting a ribbon and thank you for showing up to a damn meeting. Like, thank you for something that was done that had an impact. Where are those? Th that's all. I'm just saying, like, thank you so much for being here. Like, being here is the bare minimum. <laughs> yeah. Farhan comes in to say, we live in a city where candidates are more interested in securing endorsements than actually show up to the city council mm. meetings. Consistency is important. How could they represent us if they are not even aware of the issues? If they can't show up to council meetings now, how could we trust them to show up if elected? I'm going to tell you something. I just told Farhan this today. Tomorrow's the deadline by four o'clock. For the last three or four weeks, I've been really seriously beating around, throwing my name in here for this city council at large. And uh, I had a meeting with some people the other day, a couple of people, and one of the guys, he's like an executive all across the country, like big name executive. He's done this work and now he's on the, the philanthropy side and he's doing like nonprofit work and so on. And he was like, first of all, Mike, you need to run. He was like, because you are somebody who can recognize the problem. You're talking, you're talking the solutions. But a lot of times it takes somebody that can recognize the problems to be up there to be able to salute solution them. Somebody who's sitting up, sitting there and doesn't recognize what the issues are uh, really doesn't have the ability to do that. And when I say that, I'm not saying that people sitting up there don't have that ability to recognize. Uh, I will say that none of them have the fire. I shouldn't say that. Not any of them don't. Uh, the majority don't have the fire that I think I would bring to that seat um, and the accountability that I would bring to that seat. Um, you know, but it's just a lot that goes along with that that I think I, I worry about taking away from my, my ability out here and being able to just kind of, you know, be in the community the way that I am. Um, because there's things that I, I I think that I would probably say and do that might be ethics violations. You know, like I can't sit and listen to BS. And I'm not saying that I don't know how to have quorum and be, you know, be right. I just do. I do know that out of all the all the candidates, again, I think that I, I am I am extremely qualified up against that group. Um, and definitely would deserve one of the seats. But it's been something I've been thinking about very seriously because I think there's a need for it. Um, and and, and I'm just kind of panning that away. So you never know. Tomorrow by 4 o'clock, you may see Michael Christopher Lynn Jr. on that list of candidates. 
uh, I'd have to sure up some other things. I'm pretty sure I owe some city taxes or something, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll get that taken care of. I don't know, man. I don't want to do it, to be honest with you. Not just because I don't want to be you know, like, I don't, I'm already there. So why not be up there on a dais? Right. Uh, but I don't necessarily want to go in there and be behind the scenes directing traffic the way it's a, it's a whole new battle. It's like a whole new battle because I will be forcing a lot of them to do a lot that they ain't willing to mm. do. So I'd probably be in fights nonstop with counsel, which, you know, it's just I just don't know how it would go. So I don't know. I'm 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 praying on it. We'll see how that stuff turns out. I think it's till four o'clock tomorrow, uh, whether or not I throw my hat in the ring. But speaking on that aspect, uh, again, we talked about council members that just don't show up or people that are running for council who don't who aren't involved in politics at all. And I think being a community member is one way to get involved with politics, but I think you need to at least know what's going on in the city. I had a conversation with somebody that I'm helping build their nonprofit up, right? And I'm helping this individual build their nonprofit and uh, and get some funding that they need and so on and so forth. And just kind of get them out to the community and kind of just helping to influence to talk about how great they are and what they do. And, uh, you know, we were having some conversation about, you know, prior, prior relationships that I've had that I don't deal with anymore, like city government or the mayor, so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, this individual was like, you know, I don't really want to take on that baggage that you have, you know, when I'm out here seeking funds and doing things. And I was like, at first I wanted to get mad. And I was like, wait a minute, what you mean baggage? But then I was like, no, I understand where that comes from. I understand what you're saying. But I think you need to look at it a certain way. I'm not out here advocating for my baggage. I'm advocating for individuals who aren't able to advocate for themselves and not necessarily just that. The beefs that I have with people downtown are originated through them doing harm to people. So I'm just not willing to, um, what's the word? I'm not willing to uh, compromise my values to work with individuals who are harmful. So therefore, uh, I remember when, you know, everybody probably remembers this, maybe you don't, but back when my son was taken in the Atlanta Catholic, right? At Lansing Catholic, all of your big money people go to school, kids go to school there, right? So when he was taken in the end, there's a lot of Trumpsters there. They were very against them taking a knee and they took a stand against it very publicly, which today's today would be looked at as like racist. Right. But back then it was just all about respecting the flag. But now we understand that it had nothing to do with that. So people. Yeah. But there was one specific and I just name it Pat Gillespie. And um, what is the other guy's name? I can't remember his name. And it's 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 a dis, it's a dishonor not to mention him right now. You know who I'm talking about? It, it could be one of two people, and I don't remember either. Well, there, it was the, it was the, the it, what's his name's dad? Yeah, what's his the, name's dad? The kid that we like, his Kramer. dad, Kramer. Kramer. It was Kramer. Kramer. Kramer and Gillespie, big names, made a made a, a a human wall in front of all of us that were taking a knee. It was like background, real quick. Ten of us. We yeah. we we were we were in Williamston. We were in Williamston. It was an away game, and at this point, Kabash, which was one of Mikey's teammates, was one of the LCHS four, and football season was now over basketball season started kabash was kneeling by himself because yeah. he was the sole lchs4 still on the basketball team so we as community members showed up in support of him to kneel with him and in in, in uh williamston which in was williamston. already combative like they were over there with trump hats on i was about to say american flags, flags and they were somebody screamed from over in the corner get get, get off get your ass get up your off your knee up. or something like that so like that was, was going evil. on but while that was going on lansing catholic people were on this side and we all walked down to the front right at the anthem to take a knee. And Gillespie and Kramer and two other parents came and stood in front of us. And there's a picture of this. 
You can see a picture of this. Where Came and stood in it? front of us with their hands on their chest or whatever the case is and actually pushed LaShawn Irby of Black Lives Matter at the time, now Poor People's Campaign, and you probably know her also with helping Emily Divendorf, her campaign manager, pushed her over. And so that was like a whole thing. The city posted an article on it. We had a meeting over it and so on and so forth. So why is it that I won't like I won't do work or stand with Gillespie and so on and so forth? Like there's so many other organizations to do. Right. Mikey 23 has a building that Gillespie gave him. They they have a really good relationship and so on and so forth. But that man was harmful and still has an atone to that behavior and lied about it and so on and so forth. So I can't work with that person, but I, it's hard to give somebody all of that history. So I'm gonna drag it back to why I said that with this individual that I was talking to. Cause all of the people that this individual was concerned about, like not being able to have a relationship with that they're in partnership with me. I was thinking as he's saying it, as this person was saying it, that I don't necessarily think I would wanna be in relationship with those people, but I understand there's a lot of history that would take months to explain to you about why we move the way we do and don't deal with certain individuals like the mayor you know like certain certain people and individuals and mayor being the main one right that's the same thing for city council like you got these new booties that come in and want to run for city council that ain't never been to a council meeting they don't know anything about how the city charter runs don't have any idea about how council runs or any of this stuff and they're and they're, they throw their name on this ballot because they're their their church told them to because the mayor told them to there's a couple on there that i'm positive the mayor asked we know uh missy uh the mayor asked her to to run and she's standing tight with the mayor and we've had multiple conversations about this behavior uh but they don't know anything about council and council is a whole different evil it's like you have to know the history when you're going to like for instance you know with this u-haul thing that came up that now is a debauchery on cedar street uh, you know, if you don't know the history of that situation, how that went down, I watched it. I watched it live go down. And I watched people vote on it. They probably shouldn't have. If you don't know all that history, it's really kind of hard when that next time it comes up and the mayor has brought you in his office and explained to you why this is such a great thing. And you have no basis to go on because you don't know anything about politics. You have no idea what the council has been through, what our city has been through. But we're going to elect you in because you're the name that everybody knows. And I think that's 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 what I mean. That's what draws me to want to run because they need my like they need my experience of council. Not not like I haven't been up there, but I've been there and I've been yes. in the back rooms and I've been everywhere you need to be at. So, like, that's the only thing that drives me like there's somebody with experience of understanding of what's happened over the last six years need to be there. Um, but anyways, that's just that. That's the thought. I'm going to link in an article talking about that because, again, when we talk about things and we talk about things that happen and it sounds really inflammatory, there's usually a news article attached and there is one attached to this one because that absolutely did happen. And it's one of those things that, like, you have choices to make. And when someone is harmful and they never acknowledge their harm, they don't apologize for the harm and they don't try to make it right. How can you ethically move forward and do business with that person so that's what i mean about respectability politics being extremely dangerous is because it allows harmful people to continue to perpetuate harm and it's always because it's a it's a it's an imbalance of power so that's why advocates and, and you know and activists are so important because we, we take you take that away you have and that is why a lot of times you'll hear defamatory statements defamatory things about people like us and people that are in this work is because what do you have to do you've got to discredit them somehow because you don't have power over them once someone says i don't want to be aligned with you 
you don't align with my moral compass. So there's nothing you can hold over me. There's no power. I don't want a job from you. I don't want to be next to you. I don't want to take pictures with you. Once you take that away, what power do they have over you? None. So they just start gathering people up that they do have power over, and then they try to discredit you and your movement. And that's what we see in Lansing a lot. That happens constantly. And we, we've been dealing with it probably, I'd say, 2015, 16. Mm. It's when, when we've yeah. kind of really seen the ugly side of that. So that's the conversation. I, and I hate that it's like, so I'll, I'll say this about that. Like, the reason that I stepped up and told my story and the reason why I've advocated for others is because I don't want this to happen to anybody else. So I'm losing right now. Yeah, I won a million dollar lawsuit and I still feel like I haven't won anything because I, at the end of the day, I didn't do this for the money. I did it so that this all would be exposed and it would never happen again. Accountability would be had and it would never happen again. And I don't feel like anybody's taking accountability. So therefore, it's going to happen again. And it's going to happen over and over and over again. There's going to be more Mike Lins that come through the departments or whatever department. They're going to have this problem. And that's 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 why I, I keep talking about that subject. There's so much else going on in the community, but that's why I keep bringing that up. Because we ain't dealing with it appropriately. And we, the only way that they're dealing with it, like they're putting a Band-Aid on it instead of like opening it and cleaning the wound out first. You know, so it's just going to be infected because you're not doing it right. Because they're doing it really, they're really doing everything they're doing surrounding DEI, DEI and like and equity and so on and so forth. They're doing it like secretive. Like we don't really know why we're doing this, but we're doing these things. And that's like that's that to me, it should be unacceptable from the council's perspective. The council should stay. If we're throwing money at this, why are we throwing money at this? What is the need for this right here? Like that, that if that's not expressed, that's a. I th I feel like that's a derelict of duty. Like this council is not naming that. Hey, again, with the federal the federal uh, uh, mandates that were put on, not to name that theme, not to name it. How? And it's like, well, how do you not name that? How do you not? Nobody still has talked about their guilty verdict that they've got for a million dollars. And it's because the city attorney has told them they can't say anything. Bullshit. Bullshit. Now, we know the city attorney doesn't know what he's talking about. That's going to be a whole new issue that comes up. I just got word because the HRCS, he tried to change their charge <laughs> and thought that he was just going to go in there and tell them, nope, these things are coming off your charge. Although that stuff is ordinances that are written inside the charter. He has no power over that. I've, I've named this a thousand times. Anybody who was at council today or looked at the council packet, you can see what I wrote. I wrote and it's in the council packet about this city attorney. It's dangerous. It's super dangerous on the way the city attorney is advising our city. And nobody's like getting a second opinion. So I think for council, get a second opinion on what you can and cannot talk about. You can't talk about the ins and outs of a lawsuit, but you can absolutely name the fact that we were found guilty of, a, of violating the Civil Rights Act. You can absolutely talk about that. You can absolutely ask them where that money is going to come from. You don't have to ask that stuff. and You don't have to talk about it in closed session. Mm -hmm. This is what I bring to the table. If I was to run for council, is that you're not about to bulldog me, city attorney. We finna go head to head then. Because I had to go head to head with the city attorney in the HRCS meeting because he was sitting there lying to the whole HRCS, telling him he had more powers than he actually had. And I had to call his ass out on it. No, you don't. Because I know the charter. I know the charter very well. I read through it. I understand completely what your powers are. And you have no power to change shit in that charter. You can advise. You can give an opinion on it. But you can't change anything in that. That charter is for us to name. And any ordinance in there is for the council to build and and, and, and vote into uh, into uh, fruition. So, But you, you know what he does I had have, to name that shit, you, though. You did, but it just so happened that you were there. Because you know what he does have the power, unfortunately, to do? He has the power to sit in there 
with the imbalance of power that just inherently exists and just say things and just tell people things and say things as if they're law and people don't know enough, um, aren't going to question that, you know, coercion of power in that space or in that place or whatever the case may be, or they just don't have the capacity to. So a lot of times when you have a situation like that, there's an expectation that they just know what they're talking about. They can be trusted, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So they'll just say things and that's just it. So if there's no one there to combat that, no one there to ask the question or to just say, substantiate that, because that's me. I don't care if you be offended or whatever the case may be, because guess what? Ask me to substantiate some shit because I'll be able to do it. it. Why would that be in any way, shape or form an invalid thing to, to ask? If you are serving on a board, if you're serving on a committee, if you're serving in any capacity in any way, shape or form, I don't care if it's advisory or not. Ask questions. Ask to substantiate that information. Well, where does it say that at? Where exactly does that come from? Is that in the charter? Is that here? Where's I'm that person. Like you don't have to show me. If you're gonna pull out a rule, you better know where that rule is. <laughs> you better know every aspect. You better know of what it, page it's on. It. Exactly. But I think that that's you. I think that that's personality traits though in some people. Some people do not have the personality to dig past the uncomfortability. The uncomfortability is when you ask a question and it's answered. And you don't believe the answer and then you come back with another question and they reiterate the same thing back to you. You're in uncomfortability zone right there. Are you willing to go past that to demand the answer that you're looking for? I've seen Carol Wood do that several times where they'll give her some BS answer and she'll be like, that's fine. I need to see it in print. Bring it back to me next meeting that it takes that personality. It's almost like my mom has this personality where my mom and I, like my mom and you do, too. And I do in a way it depends on who I'm dealing with. Um, and in this scenario, I absolutely do. When it comes to dealing with like a manager at Walmart, <laughs> absolutely not. But you and my mom, though, like my mom, if she's ever in a situation where she feels oh. like she's not being dealt with appropriately in a all corporation, I'm she's going all the way all to the, the way. president, like all the way up, all can. the way up and like stand there until like we can both be standing here looking at each other she's and like, I don't have to say nothing. I asked you for a manager. Are you getting them? And that's that uncomfortability that a lot of people are not willing to go through, yo. And, it, and, it, and I think that's what I see on council a lot because I see them like going down the right track of questions. But then when they get the answer that they know is not correct, that they're, they're going to have to ask one more good question and like I elaborate in this other little arena to get the answer they're looking oh for. Gosh. They lose it. What? I have the best analogy, not yeah. even analogy, example of yeah. it because it literally burned my bacon. I was so pissed. I was so upset because I even went up there and I'm like, that's not true. And I know it to be true. And I'm like, and y'all know me. Not that like my word means shit or whatever, you know, means shit. But I'm like, y'all know me. And if I have receipts, remember when they were talking about those funds the BCG, and they were talking yeah. about um, the black the, grant. The, the, no, not today. This was a while. Back. This was months ago. It but was the black grant, though, and how they could how they could spend them or how they couldn't spend them. Because it was federal. We were talking funds. about a twenty four hour warming center. They said yes. they couldn't spend it. For and they that. were talking about all these different things, or whatever. Because it was this federal money, and it was all these. But I had already done research, and I had already looked at some of the ways other cities had spent their money, and I happened to know in my day job what the qual what the guidelines are because I have to. I make it my business too. So I went up there, and I'm like, that's just not true. That that's not true. I'm not going to say he's lying, but he is misinformed. He don't know. He doesn't know. It was but a he she. said it. Who was it? I thought it was the city attorney that said it. No, it was, it was somebody it was, else. Uh, it was the, uh, it, it, no, it wasn't. It was Barb. Whoever it was. I can't think of it. Somebody name. came in and they sounded very sure of themselves and they sounded very matter of factly and was like, well, we did it this way, blah, blah, blah. But there was keywords that they used and, and I recognized it because I knew the absolute truth based on research. 
And she was saying things along the lines of, well, to have a better application and to have a better chance of getting funded and blah, 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 blah. And so I, when I went up to the podium, I said, that's not true. I said, what you need to do is you pick what you want to be funded and then you write a damn good proposal for it. And that's, that's right. what gets funded. That's, that's right. how this works. And I was really upset at that because if nobody asks the question, if they ju if you just accept, accept. that, th and that's what that's what happened. And then you find out later, like you saw. Or, or Meridian the Township using the money for affordable housing. And Lansing is using the money to revitalize Michigan's corridor. And I shouldn't say that's just that money. Because this money was, that block grant you were talking about was something totally different. Yeah, but this money separate. that just came down from Alyssa Slotkin, through proposals the city made, are for our money that we want to use is for a $800,000 playground. Uh, accessibility that's playground. That's the money I'm talking about. I spoke on that. That's the money I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, it was that. That was, I knew it wasn't the yeah. block grant. That's the money I was talking about. Yeah. Be and then I was involved uh, $5 in, million dollars to revitalize Michigan Avenue and put bike lanes in and all this other stuff. So, just know I so had that to anybody review, can yeah. travel down. And do we want that? Yes. But do there we want people point. to not die? I want that more. What do we need So can we more? triage some stuff first? And that really bothered me, though, because I was sitting there listening to her say that. Because the that, way they told them was like, this is what all we can use it for. And the, the council doesn't know enough like, or didn't want to push past the uncomfortability to ask the real serious question. Like, wait a minute, because I heard and I read and I know you you are somebody who is uh, in charge of a federal grant right now, a big ass federal grant. Yes. So, you know, the reporting requirements, yes. you know, all the things that have to go along with that. I supported a partner stakeholder organization in writing their proposal for those same appropriations. Yeah. So we do a thing called a review process, meaning you review the application, review the guidelines, you review the things, the do's and don'ts. So I'd already went through that process like three weeks before that. So when they're sitting up there saying that, I was like, that's not right. That's not true. But the way she said it, she said it so in a way confidently. That she, she she said it so confidently, but it was and she wasn't even saying definitive things, but she was saying it definitively. And then a enough. council member, Pat Spitzley, like she came in from her position of I deal with money and I'm a I'm a budgeter and this that the other and like she like reiterated what she said and that just made a law for everybody and nobody did the research to figure out if what we're being told is actually true or not, yep. and that's the point. And so and like, then when the when the awards came out. And you see the list of things, it's like the things we were asking for were right on. Other there. people did. Yeah. Other people sure did get them funded. But they we probably, see this over and over and again, yo. Like, and that's man. what I mean. Like, you got you to be able to move past that uncomfortability. And, and it's like, you're going to get, you have this, I can't remember what it was, but you always tell me, like, when you're, when you were supervising and you would tell somebody something, and they would be like, you could tell that they were not comfortable with, like, the, <laughs> the moment of silence. And they you were not, like, it doesn't matter. Up. I had somebody be like, and if I don't, or like, just be like, just super disrespectful. And I was just like, okay. And I said, well, I do want to let you know, you cannot return to work until I am comfortable that you understand what the expectations are of you. Until then, I'm like, you don't have to do anything. And that's not what I was talking about, oh, but that's true too. But what I'm was. talking about is when you ask somebody an uncomfortable question. Oh, wait. And yes, you ask somebody an uncomfortable question and they look like they don't want to answer it. The average individual will start talking through that pause of quietness because they're uncomfortable. I asked a question that I could see you don't really want to answer. So then they'll like give them a halfway out of it instead of just doing what? The Michigan smile. I'll wait. I asked you a question and I'll wait to the answer. I don't, I'm not going to say anything. I'll even say things like, it's okay. Take your time. I mean, think about it. I'm like, but see, what our council does a lot of times is ask the serious question, 
and then like walk it back a little bit so they feel more comfortable asking a side question to the question or they'll say if you don't know just get back to me nope i'm putting your ass on the spot and then if you don't know i'm gonna ask you why you don't know how many times did our finance director come in there and not know something about know. the budget? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there was like five or five, four or five questions that came along. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. The very next follow-up question from you would be, how don't you know this? How don't you know this? First of all. Secondly, they need, like, when is the last time you see that? Now they have the ability to do this. When is the last time you've seen this council put anybody under oath? So therefore you have department heads and all types of the, the mayor and air come in there and just stone cold lie to your face. And it's not really even lies per se, because they'll just tell you what they want to do, not what they can do or what they are doing. What we want to do is we want to, and you said this today at council, like I'm tired of hearing that I'm want to, or we're looking into, <laughs> or we're figuring out, or we're putting together, or we're doing, what are you doing? My guy, like, when is council going to say that one time? What are you actually doing about this problem? I don't want to know what you're thinking about, what you've been planning on. What, you're looking what at, are you doing? What you're so exploring. like they've started asking every department, have you been asked to knock your budget back? Right. Because I we're wonder. we're at a deficit moving forward that we're like, we're going to be short millions of dollars next year on the budget compared to what we are now because we don't have these ARPA funds that backfilled all of this money that was supposed to be coming out of the general fund. So they keep asking. Mm -hmm. We've been running at a deficit, like deficit meaning that we're putting out more money than we have coming in mm -hmm. for like the last eight years. We've been doing that. At, 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 at. Oh, and they're okay. saying what the, the first council meeting, they talked about the budget. They asked that a lot. What are you guys doing to deal with this problem that we have that we're not making enough money to pay for our bills? And they're just like not waiting for the answer. So they'll ask the question and then it gets all uncomfortable. And the deputy mayor's like, I don't know that I'll get that answer for you. Nah. How don't you know that you're talking about putting a committee together in the sixth in the, in the 25th hour? Like, what are you talking about? You should have been thinking about this when you first hired in here as the mayor or you first got elected about how you're going to fix the deficit you came into. Did you see what I'm saying? Yes. But nobody waits for the damn answer to that. And the mayor only comes in when he comes into council meetings to tell us about the next celebratory thing he's got going on. I just want to talk about I went to this thing and I had a great time. And, you know, there's a great people over there doing this. Like, dude, shut up. What are you doing about the shit you're supposed to do? Your job. A Could you imagine mm -hmm. any job that we've ever held that I come in and I'm coming in for my week, my biweekly report on what I've been doing. And all I come in and tell you is that I've been having a shit ton of fun. I've been having a lot of fun with all the stuff that I built down here for moderates. That's all I have to report to. No, dude, we want to know about your departments. What is your departments doing? What are you doing to fix the problems inside your departments? Because you can do that and. I don't, but it's it's an and. That's fine. You can do that. Tell us about the fun things and about what you had for lunch today. Fine. No. And tell us about what you are doing to address the fires that are going on in Lansing right at this moment. Like, I don't understand that. Anytime I've ever ran, held, been a part of any type of staff meeting or a, um, a project meeting, when you have, if you've ever, if you've ever been a project manager, being a project manager means you're leading a project or you're coordinating a project that's like from the ground up. So from like the, the, the beginning stages, budget, plan, all that, to the coordination, implementation, and then the wind down, the ending of it. So the goals and all that, deliver, deliverables, all this and that. So when you meet on said project, think of our city as one big project. Nobody wants to hear that everything's going fine and nobody wants to hear that all of the departments 
everything's do they're doing everything right because that's all I hear. Andy comes in and says everything's great. Everybody's having a blast. Everybody's having fun. We have all these great new events and all these things I'm excited about. And then the department heads come in and they're like, "We're doing. We're looking at this. We're doing. We're doing great. We've been doing. We're doing." And I'm like, "So if everything is freaking fine, yeah, why, why is the city yeah, on fire? Yeah, why am I out here doing what I have to do then? That, but the thing ooh. is that bothers me, and this is what I'm going to say: is our council sits and listens to the same shit, and they know better. And so I hear we do give them shit back in the back. And I don't want to hear that. The people need to see y'all stand on something, man. And that's the time you do it. When we get your, when we get to mm. come there and see y'all, that's when you do it. That's when you stand on it. Because I keep saying, it's like I said at council today, why do y'all keep letting the mayor be the only voice from the city of Lansing? There's the council, like he talked about the budget. Yo, when WLNS did that article on the budget, and they made it sound like council was demons. And I, I'll be damned if y'all gonna make me sound like a demon when I'm talking about, he. they said the mayor wants to spend more money this year on public safety and housing and this, that, the other, and made him sound like, made it sound like the council was against it. But the council has, a man, I'm telling you, if I was on council, nope, I'm, you need to come here and sit down. And let me tell you from our perspective, what's really going That's on. That's a false So if y'all continue letting the mayor come out there and lie to the, to the people, y'all know better. You don't do it in council where every Everybody can see and you don't get on the media and write the wrongs that he'd be telling everybody. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm talking about. So the media, the world thinks that everything is OK. When I talked about this on council today, I used to be one of those people. I had all my basic needs met. Shit, I was looking at new Corvettes. That's how my life was. And I was like, I told like I said on council today, like I can remember me and you being downtown. Right. We was actually looking at like so this is this is the crazy part. Right. This is the crazy part that I hope that the I hope that the average person gets to this point in their life. There was a time when we lived in East Lansing for about two years while Mikey went to school. So we lived in East Lansing for about two years. No, it was about two years. Yeah. And we were looking to move back downtown. Like we wanted to move downtown. So we're like, damn, we want to move downtown. Where's some nice condos? Or, and there was nothing. The only place downtown you can move to that was decently nice was like the outfield loss, which we ended up yeah, moving, into. moving into. But that was a Gillespie place, right? And we moved in there prior to this thing happening with Gillespie. So we felt terrible all the time we lived there because of that fact. <laughs> but aside from that, we were the people who were the moderates in a, in a in financially way, right? We were moderate in finances. So like we were looking at like, we want more things to do downtown. And like, if they had a concert venue downtown, so we didn't have to go all the way here. If they had more places to eat downtown, we'd love to just come spend our whole day downtown and not have to go anywhere, right? And so we would go down there and we would drink and have fun and party with our people and stuff and, uh, and, and think like, man, we wish there was more places to do this down here. But that's because that's all our mind was on. How mm -hmm. can we spend our money and enjoy things without having to look at the blight? So that's what we would, I, I promise you, eight years ago, that's where our minds was at. Like, man, it's like, wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have to, like, get bombarded by panhandlers? And this is what your mind is on when you're not thinking about anything other than yourself. So when I went to council today, I said the same thing. I'm still financially secure and we're financially secure. But now I recognize that it's bigger than me. It's not about me and what I feel comfortable with. So then I recognize the things that I wanted. As as somebody who's financially moderate, right, so the things that I want are the things that are being implemented today. So you have a big group of the city that's happy as hell with what's happening downtown. And then you have a big group of city that's like, that doesn't help me at all in my life. And so those people don't always advocate and show up to neighborhood meetings and so on and so forth. And they don't always watch the news. So what there's the people who are voting and paying attention to what's going on are only seeing 
basically propaganda from the city and they're hiding all this stuff going on at council they're hiding all the people that are showing up advocating for their group of people that hey there's a whole section that aren't being looked for looked after there's a whole section mm -hmm. of people who don't want michigan's corridor rebuilt with five million dollars when we still don't have an overnight warming shelter like there's there's not they're not getting that conversation but the council gets it the council asked those questions the council get so why aren't you speaking to the people so i asked adam this question he was like mike we do speak to the people we go to a lot of neighborhood meetings and we're talking to people in that perspective and i'm like that's fine but i look at it from a perspective of what i see what i see and i'm somebody who pays attention i don't ever see any any council speaking negatively about what's going on in the city and i don't mean negative meaning that it's like people think of negative as like a lie negative is the truth about what's happening in our city and i don't see council speaking on that shit and if I don't see it and I'm at all these things and I watch the media, then how is somebody who's just like tuning in once in a while seeing this shit? Only seeing the headlines. Do you see what Only I'm saying? Only seeing the top And the headlines that are being told are lies. That's another problem that yeah. council has got to get ahead of and tell the truth. And it's not just about shaming this person. It's about accountability. And if we and don't name the thing, it's going to continue going on. Like, for instance, when Tam Rose had her situation with Amanda O'Boyle. The city attorney. When I watched that and I looked at that, I didn't think anything of it. I was like, damn, that's messed up. Our shit. Not that I didn't think anything of it. I thought it was terrible. But the thing is, if it hadn't been dealt with then, and Amanda Boy had been dealt with in that yeah. moment, this was in 2021, yeah. what would have happened? It wouldn't, wouldn't have happened to me. It wouldn't have been dealing with her again. It wouldn't have been dealing, happening to me. So this is why every one of these situations we got to address as it happens so it doesn't continue happening to more and more people. And that's what I don't think the city council is understanding. If you don't out these things, if you don't hold accountability on it, you're going to keep having to deal with these problems over and over and over again. And they're getting better at it. I've seen a little twinge of it here and there. But again, it's like they'll, they'll, it's like a almost like a, a Sour Patch Kid. One day they're holding accountability and then nothing happens. And the next day they're 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 commending them for showing up to their city council you know, a uh, constituent meeting, well, like, the, come on. The thing is, is when you just can constantly sugarcoat things and we're constantly, we allow the propaganda, the, the gaslighting, when we allow all that to happen and there is no, like I said, that there's an equalizer. And that's why like independent media is so important. Independent media is extremely important because it counteracts a lot of what we know is very strategic and very tactical like, um, you know, yeah, political he's got a strategy. whole position. He pays like eighty thousand exactly. dollars a year to do that. So we have really. to we have to understand and we have to remember that this is a thing like protecting his reputation is a full time job that people get paid for. That's right. So protecting his reputation and by way of that, remember the state of this, the true state of the city of Lansing is a reflection in a for a political you know candidate for somebody that has political aspirations the reflection of the city is a reflection of their reputation right the reflection of the city should actually be the state of the people so what is the state of your people and when we say people you always again you go to the most marginalized what are the most how what is the state of those people in your city well we know what that state is we know we have some big issues we have some serious issues and they run the gamut like we have homelessness issues we have affordable housing issues we have mental health uh, crisis issues where we don't have enough beds we don't have enough places we have health care issues um we have let's see did i say affordable housing already we have violence uh, we have Still. violence issue gun violence issues we have racial equity issues we have discrimination issues based on gender Employment. sex race 
Yeah, um, people not getting hired. There's a whole lot of positions open. My gosh. So Budgetary issues. And, and these are some serious issues that any just one of them, any one or two of them would make a city pause and yeah. say, we have got to regroup. So if you're a sports fan, if you're into sports, there's always times, and I'll jokingly say this because Detroit Lions have been rebuilding hmm. for my whole life. But... Detroit Lions are going to be fine. <laughs> they're going to be don't fine. You, they're rebuilding. They're, re- lines, they're rebuilding. But if you have a really solid sports team that'll have a really great, great track record, you'll see some dips, right? Because there's always some times where everything kind of just happens, everything lines up, and they're in what's called a rebuilding phase, meaning they've lost some key components, some things went down, maybe they changed coaches, whatever happens. But now they're in this rebuilding phase, and it takes time, meaning you're going to lose some games, right? It's not going to be a fun time because you got to get your shit together. Well, the city of Lansing literally needs to take a seat and have a timeout and have a damn rebuilding phase. But all propaganda wants to do is go outside and play. Like he don't want to think about nothing. He doesn't want to clean his room. He don't want to eat dinner, wash his hands, take a damn, you know, with your kids, like take a damn shower. I need you to take a bath. You stink. Like your kid just wants to go outside and play. That's Andy. He just wants to go outside and play. Like he doesn't want to take care of no kind of business. And I'm just like, who is the stopgap for that? Who steps in and says, no, no, Andy, no. Mm-mm, not today. Did you t- did you address the homelessness issue yet? Have you is the budget looking better for the next four years, not for just the next council meeting? Like who's doing that? I- no, so you're right. You're exactly right, and that's why I said like when I was talking about our existence eight years ago, and we weren't really thinking about these things. Um, you know, there's a certain amount of like shame that came upon us that we started to think on that level. Like, how can we enjoy all this when these things aren't taken care of? And I think this all kind of sparked in 2000, I don't know, 2017 probably is when we started to really yeah, recognize. 16, yeah, like, stretch. wow, wait a minute. There's a lot of people out here hurting. Yes, because our basic needs are taken care of and we're good doesn't mean we can just sit back on our heels. And I, I think our son was like, he was like 16, 17 at the time. And it was like, you know, we've done a lot of being selfish. So let's think outside of this. And then, you know, our son went off to college and it was like, what do we do now? Right. <laughs> let's get involved. Uh, but I think that we had that, some life changes, I think some life changing that, moments that, that really kind of drew it home for yes. us. Right. I know for me personally, my health was a big one in experiencing the, the healthcare inequities and all these different things. And then what was going on with you, what happened with Mikey, once you unpeel those layers and you, you kind of, your brain starts to operate in a different way and you feel that you never, you can never go back. You never unfeel that it yeah. changes the way that you see that your lens is now different. It's like there's a different lens on and it's permanent. So the moderate way of thinking, and I've talked to a moderate, right? <laughs> I've talked to one. They exist. <laughs> the moderate way of thinking is that if we build up downtown, like a Chicago or whatever the case is, people will visit here. They'll stay here in hotels. They'll like it so much that they'll move into our new condos downtown. And unfortunately, we're just not a Chicago. And what you can see about what happened in Chicago, though, uh, is that it drove everybody out of that area because you can't live like you can't live in Chicago anywhere near downtown with the budget the money that we have even I have I could never live downtown like apartment one bedroom apartments like three grand a month um so like at the end and it depends on that's way outside of it so like ultimately this is again like I said on council today it's like the tale of two cities and I was having a conversation with Natasha Atkinson about this and she was like I've known this and I've known it fully but I didn't have a word for it. And she was like, it's, you got you got you got moderates that are building up for themselves and it's pushing. They don't want us in there. They don't want us down there. They don't want you know, if you think about it from a, a race standpoint, uh, they don't want 
um, what they consider to be blight downtown. And I, you know, as a black man, I, I know that I'm considered that to some people, no matter how much money I got. Uh, but Lansing has more of a poverty versus the well-off type of issue uh, than it does a race issue. Uh, there's a war on poverty in the city of Lansing, and it's just not a place that you can be poor in and, and be okay. And it used to be. It used to be a place that I can remember being a kid, like if you had $5, you were taken care of all day long. You could go to all the the Boys and Girls Club, the Y, you could go to the, the community center, you can go to Subway, get a $5 foot long, you can go to the store and get some of this or that. Like you, can, you used to be able to live here on a modest income and, and enjoy everything that was here to have. And it's like I think about this new place that there's an incubator for food. It's going to cost four million dollars to build and whatever the case is. How do you think they're going to get that money back? They're going to overcharge for everything in it. Like yeah. I've, I've talked to people who've been down to the Lansing Shuffle. It looks like a dope environment, but it's expensive. Like you can't go down there more than once a more than once a month, probably because the food there is just truck. It's like, you know, uh, what is a food truck food? But it costs you $30 a plate. It's extremely expensive and it's all a la carte. And I have seen several people in my circles literally say this was great. It was fun, but I can only come here once. But in a that's while. how you systemically keep people out that you don't want there. We know this. This is a this is a tactic. If you just overcharge, people will pay to not have to deal with poverty around them. It's period point blank. It's the reason why people move out to Okemos. They're paying so they don't have to have poverty around them. We have houses in Lansing that cost as much as Okemos. We've got neighborhoods in, in, in Lansing that are as nice as Okemos. They don't want to be surrounded by poverty. So they move out to areas where they don't have to be surrounded by it. And if they got to come back into where poverty's at, I want you to have priced everything in that arena, that area out so that I don't have to deal with the look of poverty in front of me. This is what the tale of two cities is because you have individuals who would love to have this environment where they could do stuff and have fun too. But we can't, everybody can't afford it. Everybody can't afford it. Now that's what I mean by I can afford that, but the average individual can't afford that. So therefore you, you, when you're talking to moderates and people who vote about the aspects of them doing all this downtown, first of all, if it, like, I just look at this, like we're in, we're in death count 30, like we're, we're or death count three, whatever the <laughs> word, whatever Kanye said, yeah. we're in that position in the city. And I think we need to put a halt on all new entertainment sites and figure out our people real quick. That's just what I would do as a mayor. Like, I don't know how you get on Facebook and talk about the new the new building you're going to to have lunch and how amazing it is. Like, it's almost like having money and like throwing it in poor people's face. Like, I've got I don't even I can't even do that no more. Like, I remember when I got my Corvette 2018, I bought that Corvette. And I mean, I was on Facebook with it and, you know, driving home like just only a two seater, which and I just look at back at that time in my life. Like, who was I? Who was I? Because there's so many people out here that are on my Facebook that are hurting just for the basic necessities. And I'm on here splurging my life to them. And I just think about the mayor and the circumstances we're in across this city. And all you ever show is yourself enjoying your your abilities to enjoy all these things when there's people that are looking to you for help. And they're like, damn, we need the mayor to help out with all this stuff. And they like going to your page to see the only the only communication that you have with them is you enjoying moderate and up class, upper scale, upper upper class stuff around. Like I just look at it from the perspective of I am I'm the messiah to the city. If I'm the mayor, I'm the one that's supposed to be fixing it all. If I got four kids and, they, and we like our lights are getting shut off, they not looking to anybody, no nonprofit to help them. Kids is looking to me. I'm I'm the person. I'm the one that's supposed to fix it. So you don't understand that responsibility. And then the council, the same thing. Like there's people that are looking to you. So they're disappointed. A lot of times when they're coming there, cussing y'all out, they're disappointed. 
because who's helping us? Who's saving us? Nobody. And so when I'm thinking about this, I think like this whole conversation around unity and everybody working together. Yo, there should be a weekly meeting where the council city like, oh, wait a minute. We have one of those. It's called city council. It's called committee meetings. Do you got yo, like the things that are going on in this city that people are crying about? Things are happening. People are dying. People are starving to death. Our school district screwed like all of this stuff going on. And all you can hear our city leaders talk about is the new cutting the ribbon for the new this or the new that. Or, you know, we're, we're developing a new place where you can come watch live music. Yo, we got to stop that just for a second. Put it on pause and take care of our home first. Like we know this. Anybody who budgets out their money, you put your biggest portion of money towards your bills and investments and savings and then you put this little bit of money to go to the show you want to go to or go to the tigers game or the lions game but you don't you get to do all of that first. stuff all the time and your landlord sitting here looking at you like yo what <laughs> you gonna pay your rent g and that's really what our city is doing yo like all of the money that we, like when we think about these big grants that come in and just like the 50 million dollars that came in and you put it towards new stuff for departments and you didn't put what $1.9 million of that towards the community. It's crazy to me. And then we have all of these problems that we have. I, it's crazy to me that this, the council accepted it. It's crazy to me that the public is accepting it. It's crazy to me that we're the only voices speaking on it. Like we're showing up every day saying this. And like there's 112,000 people in this community and maybe 10 or 15 show up periodically to council. Like nobody cares or knows about this and just moving about their life. And our mayor, same thing. He's he's like projecting what everybody should be doing. Like he's doing what everybody's like, oh, well, the mayor's having a good time. We should too. And I just don't get that, man. I just don't. And I understand because I was there where we can be have like our head in the sand. But there's just been too many nuclear bombs that have gone off in the city for people to still not be paying attention. And then to watch our, our administration, you know, act like Lansing is a playground and we just want to build this up so that we can spend our money down here and have fun. And I, what, right, we hear this, well, spending money means more tax dollars. Yeah, but at the end of the day, you know, this is not a trickle-down effect. We got to take care of the, the most impoverished people and make sure they're okay. And there's just been a war on that in this city. And yeah. I just think, like, everybody should just stop what you're doing. Well, it just stop. Everybody well, stop. Can, can we just let's figure out this shit real quick? Can we acknowledge that we like we understand like it's 2023, y'all. Are we still just going to act like trickle down economics works? Well, the moderate believes we know that's that it, true, but it's not. I don't see. I don't even know if that's true because the, 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 the data, especially for a city of our size and scope, doesn't support that. It literally doesn't support that. So do you believe that or is it just willful ignorance because it's convenient because you don't want to stop playing outside? You don't want to have to do all the rest of that because trickle down economics just simply doesn't work. And maybe you can find one offs or whatever isolated things where it does work in some cities or in some situations. OK, it hasn't and it will not work for Lansing, Michigan. It just simply doesn't. All it's done over the last decade. And I say decade because it didn't start with Andy. He is just a, the biggest part. Like he is the most outward with it. He's the most blatant with it. But the, we know it doesn't work because all that has happened is we see the fruits of that type of labor. Yeah. We see the widening, the gap widening between the the, the economic and the income that disparities. Yeah. So when Mike said tonight when he was up at the at the podium to speak during public comment, he said, we have a tale of two cities. And that hit hard. That hit hard for me because I was like, man, that's so true. Because you have people living in this existence and it's literally a tale of two cities where people are like, this is great. I love all this, whatever. This is going to be great. And we 
you know, sometimes we give moderates and people that talk about economics, I guess that's their stance. I always feel like it's just an excuse to be a shitty person. But, you know, we, we get good economics, it'll all fall into place. No, it won't. It doesn't fall into place. Because what what do we know about capitalism and, and wealthy people, rich people, people that hoard money? They hoard money. You don't get to be rich by not having certain, you know, tendencies or whatever the case may be. So very often you're not seeing any type of like gain or return on investments when we're talking about only catering to a certain niche of people in a city, especially when you get above a, of a, a higher threshold in income or in wealth or whatever the case may be, because they don't actually spend their money and do their business or live here. They might work here. So you're catering to all these people that literally are, we're not going to get no return on the investment. When if you actually do, you know, bottom up, economic thinking because you're taking equity in mind that means that you're actually pumping money and resources into having affordable housing and taking care of your homelessness issues and making you know sure people have good paying jobs and can afford the basic needs because if you do that what do we know that lower class to middle class people do we spend money we spend money on yeah, things, blue-collar workers, white-collar workers, people that are middle class. We'll spend money on the weekends to go do fun things, try to take our kids places. We're going to shop here. We usually try to go local business. We're in the neighborhoods. We're going to... So that works, right? So if you just really think about Lansing and who we are as a as a city, yeah. that's what works. I'm about to show you they who we are. They don't care what works. This is who we are as a city. Mm. This is what trickle-down economics gives Ryan you. Cost brought this to us when he was going to do the, uh, when he did his uh, interview here. Mm. And we didn't get a chance to show it because we didn't have it in a digital platform, but now we do. So you're looking at poverty rates in Lansing by census track in 2020. Mm. So if you look at poverty, so like, listen, just, just understand this part. This portion that's all in red is all of the poverty in Lansing. The white portions that you see are the parts that aren't in poverty. Morris River Drive, Old Everett neighborhood, Forest View, excuse me, Pinecrest, which is like Grossbeck neighborhood. Everywhere else is poverty stricken. Everywhere else. This is the whole city of Lansing's poverty. And all the way from 84% poverty, downtown area. What you, what do you, why do you think they're building up downtown the way they want to drive these individuals out of the city, right? If they can drive them down here, down to the south side, that'd be perfect for all their little organizational stuff they got going on. But I just want to say, though, out of the city of Lansing, you're looking at the city and the boundaries. The dark lines are the boundaries, right? Yep. And everywhere inside of there is red. Even if it's just a little bit red, can it's you zoom red. In a little? Just to kind of see. That's as far as I can zoom. Okay. But everywhere inside the boundaries of the city of Lansing is red. Now, up here in the far top right, you see Chandler crossing. Obviously, that's going to be your college kids, right? In North Coolidge, that's going to be your college kids. But everywhere else, all in here is mm -hmm. red, is Lansing. So we are a poverty stricken city. If you're not dealing with the poverty in the city, it don't matter how much uh, uh, it don't matter how much uh, attractions you build or whatever the case is. People aren't going to be able to spend their money in it. So you got to deal with that aspect. What you just bring in? You want to bring this that's, up? Yeah, that's just a breakdown um, of numbers um, of Lansing's overall poverty rate. So Lansing's our overall, overall poverty rate is 22 percent. Guess what else is 22 percent? Black or African-American. That's what it is. Mm. We're 22 percent of the population. But when you look at these numbers, this is what I mean about 
we have to stop, you know, we're, we're allowed to be lied to, you know, about what works when you don't have people that are, they, these people don't even have the actual experience, the 12% background, of people the that capacity are are to be making decisions based on <coughs> anything. Because what are they making their decisions based on? They're not basing it on our population size, our population growth, our per capita growth. They're not basing it on our economic actual development. They're not make you know making these decisions based on race or poverty or anything they're not making it on it because all of these numbers tell us that what we're doing is incorrect that it's not going to get us to where we need to be if this is what your numbers look like meaning our overall poverty rate our young people are 18 to 64 right that's those are pretty big percentages when we're looking at overall poverty rate like come on now education so we've got Think about the makeup of your city. Think about who makes up your city. But we know he doesn't care about what's in the city. He wants to draw people in. He doesn't care about what's already here. But the problem with that is he's doing that on the backs of our budget. He's doing that on the backs of our poverty, our tax cuts, our tax rates, our our, um, pilots. That's what's happening. And so our city... With you trying to woo other people and other people from other cities and become the little Grand Rapids, you know, we end up feeling those effects for the next two decades. That's right. And it's just, uh, it's I'm about to send this in because this is interesting too. I'm going to send this in. This is really interesting. This is the breakup of the city by race. Again, thank you, Ryan Cost, for providing these to us. This is the breakup of the city by race. And these were done. You can see it in the bottom right corner because I love to give credit where credit's due by at Lansingography. Yeah. Um, and you can find them on Facebook. They're, they're really dope. Like they they plot this data out. I'm going to kind of move around really this, cool. but uh, black. This is crazy. Look at Risedale area down here. Look at this area. That's that's um, uh, Churchill Downs. Look how like green that is because red and red and blue come together. Right. That whole yep. area is green. On the other side of that, you have AP, which is Arbor Point. That's on the other side of Waverly. Pretty much all blue. That's all black. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's just so... So then north side. So polarized. Yeah, it's so polarized. It really is. It really is. This is where... So, like, if you lay this map, if over. you lay the poverty map over top of this map, the darkest of red areas are going to be in the same areas uh that the that the uh the black the black folks oh and guess what if you overlay one more map over all of this guess what you'll also find a concentration of and you probably can't see this but red these are the red red tags. tags you'll find concentrations of red tags in those same exact areas so come on man like i i'm not i'm not like that it doesn't take a rocket scientist to 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 just take some data that's readily available to you or just hire somebody like you doing all this hiring and asking for raises and budget increases to hire more people for your cabinet. Like hire somebody. It's a tale of two cities. You got he's doing what he's supposed to do by way of his thought process and what he believes that he should have for this city. Mm. And then you have others that, that, that we don't really have anybody that, that represents that, that that people on council in in uh, in administration or anything that's just fully representing the impoverished folks. And that means like this. Let me put it to you like this. People often say especially in my community, anybody who does what I do, they say are clout chasing, right? Anybody who stands up, who speaks out, who like gets on the media, goes to the council, that's clout chasing. This is another aspect, almost like how they used to tell us that 
you know, they wouldn't teach us how to swim, you know, back in the day because that would probably bring us to safe safety. And we'd be able to cross that river that we didn't want to cross because we were scared to swim or didn't know how to. So there's these certain constructs to get put on the black community that if you're a black activist and you speak out against issues that you're clout chasing. So then a lot of people don't speak out. Right. Uh, the other aspect of that is um, if we're if we're not speaking out from our position of, the, you know, and it's the thing, you can't really expect people who are going through the issues to be up here advocating for themselves every week. So you're a lot of times only going to have a, a couple people who really understand the issues that are willing to speak out for those people. I don't see too many people speaking out for all people and stepping up in every scenario. And that's where the that's where the conversation of, oh, they're cloud chasing comes. You know, anytime I see the people that I'm speaking for being done wrong, it doesn't matter if it's housing, food insecurity, violence. It don't matter what it is. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there because I want to see our people thrive. So if they're not in a position to thrive, I'm going to be there. It's not about cloud chasing. I don't want to have to be doing this because like if we had a perfect world, we wouldn't have to be advocating for these things that are just basic needs. We wouldn't have to be advocating for things that just should be ours. Right. It's things that we should just have. So so the aspect is you got to be in all these different arenas. If I was just to take the work that I do, right, gun violence stuff. Right. If I was just to take that and only advocate towards that, I can't really even affect change with that because a lot of these other issues are driving gun violence. So when your mind is more when your mind gets gets grown up and you get a little more mature, you recognize you really can't be a one issue person, a one issue voter, a one issue advocate. Because if you look at if you start advocating even for a little bit of time, you're going to find out that whatever issue it is that you have in most cases being directed by another problem that's out here that you didn't have any idea was affecting this issue. And then that problem is being affected by another problem. So you get down a rabbit hole of issues and you're like, damn, my problem is affected. There's no way I can affect change with this situation, but I'll take care of this situation and that situation. And And then you start finding when you start trying to help them and you're referring them to services and you're you're walking them through processes. You start finding issues within those systems and those processes and finding out why people don't have access to them. Why? Because they're not barrier free. They're not user friendly. They're very inequitable. So you start finding issues within those. So like it's just this never. when I tell when I tell you that never ending will only really happens to people who are about solving problems. That's if you're about solving a problem, you're going to get deep. <laughs> you're going to get real deep. If you're just about optics or you're just about like, you know, finding a, a position for yourself inside of the uh, inside of the dysfunction. And a lot of people do that. A lot of people step up and act like they're advocate just to be given a job and then they go quiet. Bishop Maxwell did a lot of this. And I'm just I'm not saying nothing about the dead man. The man's gone. And I'm not trying to talk negatively. But if you know Bishop Maxwell's story, Bishop Maxwell was like me. And I've heard Bishop Maxwell stand stand up even in the last two or three years before he passed. Mm-hmm. Stand up and speak very, uh, very, um, you know, uh, strongly on advocacy and activism. But then was still over here working with the people that was that was upholding it and doing it. So, you you know, a lot of people stand up, step up. And then they get offered jobs when they get a little too loud and then they back off the situation. If you're in this and you're digging deep and you're digging into a solution, you're going to get deep. You're going to figure out there's a lot of problems all over the place. So you're not somebody who just can't find right in anything. I got told that the other day because the city of Lansing, the city of Lansing. Well, well, we had an accident where a young man died. I think he was 19 years old, ran into a pole. And uh, the car caught on fire and three other individuals inside the car all got taken to the hospital. In less than 24 hours. In less than 24 hours, WILX, WLNS, and LSJ put out the full video of this body cam footage. And the article didn't state, uh, you know, 
anything about the families and you know this is terrible yada it was about this officer that showed up and opened the door i'm a firefighter yo i've been to scenes that were just like that where we didn't just open the door and we had to cut their ass out of there right cut them out sitting next to blood sitting next to a dead person while we're cutting them out the car was on fire. If anybody remembers back in 2019, a car went to the back of a catabus driving under 90 miles an hour. I was first on scene at that. There was no camera footage. Nobody showed up. The news didn't make articles about it. We didn't even get help for that situation mentally. And then had to come back after clearing that scene, pulling one of them out, taking them to the hospital. My engine had to go back and ex ex extract the body that was in there that we had worked next to for 45 minutes while the car was on fire. So this is all propaganda, and it's plain and simple. There was no audio, video, or anything put out from that. There was no or no no fanfare. We didn't want that. Nobody asked for that. And that, unfortunately, you know, to be honest with you, I as a family member or somebody, I wouldn't want that out. I wouldn't want it, that stuff out there where I have to look through my Facebook feed 24 hours after my loved one just passed and actually watch how they passed, hear them screaming, hear the fire and everything going on around that. And how dare they put that out now for a city of Lansing, the, the police department to put that body camera footage out less than 24 hours afterwards. But if they shoot somebody, which you guys should know this, too, because you haven't drawn all the lines together. But the city of Lansing has killed like five people in the last two years. Five people have died by gunfire or choked out in the last two years. And we don't talk about that. That's a problem, yo, because they come right out and they justify the fact that they did it. Then they don't give you body cam footage for a month later. Then it's redacted and pieces are cut out. And the chief's talking over it on a real calm voice saying this right here is where the officer had to do such and such. And the narrative is being built. A narrative is being built. You're being shown something. It's not unredacted. This film, this video came out completely unredacted with all of us, all, even the guy riding in the car all the way there. Then he got there. Then he gets out, goes to the car, you know, reaches around. Like they show all of this unredacted. Only thing they do is blur faces. And voices and people telling, telling, calling names and stuff. But I that's all they did. And everybody in the community was like enamored with seeing this. And there was a lot of people that were on there saying, oh, did the families know you were going to put like, this out? You need this to take this down. This is like, disgusting. WLNS went so far as to repost it the next day with in case you missed it. We've got the full body cam footage of a police officer saving people from a car. Well, you fail to realize that while they were saving three people and opened the door to let them out, one person was burning to death in that vehicle. And the whole family had to watch that. But the, the, the need for propaganda, the need to put police in a good, great light, absolving them of the issues that they have in the community and just showing them in a good light, they put that out immediately to the community. And I had one person come on and say, Mike, I want to read her comment. If you have anything, I just want to read her comment real quick because it was it, first of all, it, it had nothing to do with what I was I like irrationally said. angry when I read the comment. I was like, it just so you know, we do read comments. What? So people say stupid things. We read sometimes comments. I just won't even address it because I'm like, you're not, you know, addressing anything. Here's the formidable. here's the comment. My comment was this. We got this body cam footage pretty quick. I can't believe y'all released this in an effort to promote propaganda. Y'all put all these people, families in a position to have to watch this. Let me just let me just do this. I'm just actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to screen grab this and put it on the screen. Yeah, I was pretty disturbed at that. Because, again, you have folks that it's really hard when there's a one dimensional 
just like support of something and you miss the whole point. So she says, or I, I say, I can't believe y'all re, uh, released this in an effort to promote propaganda. Y'all put all these people, families in a position to have to watch this the day after it happened. So disrespectful. Barbara West comes on to say, Michael Christopher Lynn, you're losing your focus by trying to constantly prove that the police and fire departments never do anything right. Take a step back and consider what actually is a discourtesy to the public and when it's just being petty. This officer certainly, yeah, just you being petty. This officer certainly didn't cause the accident and had been had he been just the John Doe bystander trying to help these people, would you still be retching about it? About it? Again, listen to her comment and then listen to what I said. I'm just pulling it out. Sorry. I was like, ma'am, you did not acknowledge or respond to the actual comment in any way shape or form <laughs> listen to what i said i can't believe y'all released this in an effort to promote propaganda y'all put all these people families in a position to have to watch this the day after it happened so disrespectful and she came back with he didn't cause the accident did what? i say that i was did, like did i say anything about his valid his his uh valor and that's saving that somebody reaction what to- are you talking about so I do want to say something about the... So I had to patrol her. You got me. Damn, you <laughs> got like me. Right. Right Looks again. like you're right again. <laughs> so I do want to acknowledge that first, that her opening line, though, when she said you're losing your focus by trying to constantly prove that this the police and fire departments never yeah. do anything. What were you? What are you going to say? This is how you discredit, like, the, the, and this is, the, this is, first of all, how you discredit somebody who's advocating for the right things. Mm-hmm. But secondary to that, it's it's uh it's dismissive and it's how you probably see the world. And this is why we can't really get any movement because we've never acknowledged the fact that the police have done harm so that I'm talking about it. And in every instance that they do it, there's no history to go on. Mm-hmm. Nobody's ever actually said the police have done any harm all the way. But they've killed all these people. They choke somebody out to death in the jail. They beat a 14 year old girl on the east side. They are out here right now ravishing the black community, even after we know that they had a problem with over policing black communities and pulling young black people over. All of that happened. But nobody from an official capacity has stated that it's going on. So therefore, when this type of thing happens and I say something about it, everybody's like, oh, you're just always pointing out the bad. No, they're just doing bad. And I'm pointing it out. So you took a really great, uh, that's why I wanted you to say for that. So I was like, what were you going to say? Because I was really, if we haven't had a chance to talk about a lot of this. We haven't had a chance to debrief tonight. So we're talking for the first time tonight. I was really interested in what you had to say. Because as per usual, he took a totally different take on it. I read her statement. I, what I wanted to acknowledge about it, because she literally said, you're losing your focus by trying to constantly prove that the police and fire departments never do anything right. First of all, I don't know why she put fire departments in there. But um I want to say this about that. Prove that the police never do anything right. In my assessment, this is just yet another example of the police constantly trying to prove that they never Never do anything anything wrong. wrong. That's right. That was like, for me, I'm like, no, this is just yet another example. That's why we call it copaganda. Instead of actually doing the work to repair and build bridges like they say they want to and repair trust within the community and promote more transparency and try to foster good relationships with the community, that takes a lot of work and it's uncomfortable work and it takes a whole lot of things that we just haven't seen being done ever. That's how you actually promote trust and all that. That, what we just saw releasing that video, that's not petty. That's not somebody trying to do this or point out, oh, that's wrong and everything that they do is wrong. No, that's not it at all. 
But we cannot, again, there's that balance, there's that weight. If we don't, we don't, we don't want to talk about anything that you're wrong. They can do no wrong. But we also can't point out and say, hey, you're shoving something down our throat that's potentially harmful to people in your efforts to just stifle out the wrong that you know that you're doing. If you didn't think you were doing any wrong, if you didn't think things didn't need to be repairing, then why is there a constant need to visually shove things down our throat to make us think and feel that you're safe? Why not just be safe for us? If you're just safe for us, you don't have to do those weird promotional videos and highlighting things that are just a you know part of the job. That's like, right. come on now, I, I that statement really. I want to I want to bring this comment in real quick, and then we gonna get back to this. But Adam Hakila, if you guys don't remember Adam, we had Adam on the show back during the pandemic. He was actually the uh, like the MC, I believe, for the Patriots. What was they called? The Patriot. Uh, I don't remember. I can't remember what American it was. Patriot yeah, something. something like that. But the rallies, the Patriot rally, the Patriot rally. He was like the MC for the Patriot rally, and we had him on the show. And you know, outside of uh, the, uh, you know, the the Trump effect that he had going on at the time. I mean, I agree with a lot of what he said, and I think that what I found to be true is that a lot of people on the Trump side and us that are not them specifically understand is that all of the people that are in power are shitty yeah all of the people that are in power are just only thinking about power they're not really thinking about solving problems they're just really taking their four years to try to further their their, their footprint and power and so he says hey guys it's all because government is not efficient and the nonprofit industry is actually about power and control not helping others both of them are. That's a fact. Politics is all about power, That's and so is nonprofit world. Gov- like right. we need to understand that government and political corruption is nonpartisan. That's right. Period. Well, like, they both do the same you know, thing. It, exactly. They just do it in different ways. We try to construct our minds around thinking we're Dems because we believe in certain policies right. they have, but we don't believe in how they go about it. We don't believe in how they go about mm-hmm. business. And I think we've gotten a firsthand look here in Lansing. And we have a better look in Lansing than most people do, do. because all of it comes through here. We we're do. the state capital. We do. So we see a lot of the of the messed up stuff. And if you don't pay attention to what Republicans are saying mm-hmm. about our Dems, you're really doing yourself a disservice because they do point out a lot of the mm-hmm. stuff that I'm saying. And I'm not a Republican or a Democrat, but they point out they point a lot out the hypocrisies of yeah, and, uh, hypocrisies you know. between them and all of what's going on. And it's just like you should really be paying attention to what all sides are saying um, and then finding your position and all of that. You're doing yourself a, a, an injustice if you just take stances blindly because you take just partisan yeah. stances like that's really, really dangerous. That's why a lot of times I really I'll gravitate towards and I don't I, I don't I really don't agree with everything that much of anybody says. I genuinely don't <laughs> like I don't know. I don't know that I'm like, ah, I like that. I love that. Don't really like that. You know, and that's just how I think. But, you know, when you think about the whole like political government is, is you know, corruption is nonpartisan. It's a really true statement. But I, I like there's independence. Um, you have libertarians like you have all these different like, you know, that get a bad rap or whatever, simply just because people don't understand that. And yes, do all groups have some fringe views? Constitutionalists, yes. you know, constitutionalists, there's all these different things. But if you really look at some of the things, you know, we threw and, and just look through some of the 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 values that they claim or the things that they believe in or why they're whatever the case may be you might pull something out that it just plants a seed and makes you think just a little bit because you have to really understand that just because it's like this meme that that there's a meme "Ah, i wish i could find it because it's it's kind of funny and it's talking about like the two-party system and it's like with republicans they're just very overt with their things and they'll say things everybody's like you know whatever the case may be and like dems will literally be doing the exact same thing but they're like 
Black Lives Matter that's and right. they have like a pride flag in the back. That's and that's right. pretty much it. Doing so that's it. Thing. But they're doing the same things. They're doing the exact same corrupt type activities. They're doing the exact same coercion of power. They're doing the exact they're, same. They're not to doing maintain anything control. for those people that they say. No, they're helping. nothing impactful. No, um, they're doing low hanging fruit anytime they do something. And that's the hard part that I get really like frustrated with is because, you know, Andy is a true Dems Dem. Like Dem's going to Dem. That's Andy. Like he really is. And he showed his true colors when he like dipped his toe in the water to run for, um, congress or whatever and he started talking that like that that um nobody centrist, wants a liberal that centrist bullshit and nobody wants a uh uh what did he call it a um, far leaning left, left, leftist, leftist, leftist yeah. and all this and that he showed his true colors with that and i really thought that that was really really telling of that to me that's like a that's like a dem's dem and a lot of people will often say like michigan is more of like a purple state if you really take into consideration all the factions and that really could be true. But when I say dumb's dumb, it's because there's always a narrative. There's always a bigger picture. There's always a plan. And so when that's a, a by design blueprint already laid out, you are no better and you are no different than the Republicans at all. Because that well laid out and laid plan doesn't take into consideration what the people's needs are, what the people's wants are. It's not democratic. It's not equitable. None of that is. But we think it is because it feels good because they come out with, you know, low hanging fruit like, um, oh, we're going to do the Crown Act. And yeah, that's a great thing. But how about we really concentrate on some of the real actual issues going on in our city where people are being hurt and their lives are being ruined? That's the racial discrimination we need to really, you know, get behind. But it's like you don't see our you'll see our Democrats watch them line up five, six, seven of them and do these rallies and do these things on things that are easy. Gun reform, gun control, anything that is like one of those trigger words that gets everybody talking. Everybody's like, we need to do something now because they're going off of emotion. They're there. But when it comes to something where they're going to actually have to make a decision and stand on that shit, meaning they're going to have to reallocate some funds, they're going to have to defund something, they're going to have to create a budget allocation or pass some actual policy that some people are like their voter base might be mad at, but it's the right thing to do. You won't find them anywhere. Nowhere. No. Nowhere. So, yeah, um, that's it. That's fact, Christy. Christy got it hit yeah, it right on appeal, the head. He was appealing to the district. Yeah, he was appealing to the district. In that right there, red flags. That should tell you right there. Every time you hear something, anytime this is just me being honest. Anytime I see the Democrats come out with something big and they're all united, I'm like, what are they? I start digging. Like, what's coming up? What's going on? They're appealing to something. Somebody in the group is running for something. Somebody like there's always like this ulterior motive. Like you just have because with the Republicans, we already know that because they don't even be lying about their shit. See, I'll be watching some crazy <laughs> stuff. I'll be watching some crazy shit on TV, right? And not say crazy, but everybody's seen like the Manchurian Candidate and like all of these type of movies where like there's this, this setup and play, right? That takes place in order theories. to give them like the ability to do this thing. This shit came across my mind yesterday and I don't even know if I should say it, but this is America. <laughs> it was just really, and I'm not even, I'm not even conspiracy theorist, but it was just really timely that this MSU shooting happened the way that it did. And then this all took place in the, in the right form of time and all that this took place like this. I'm just saying like, this is how much, wait a second, no, wait a second. I'm just talking about from my perspective. Right. This is how much I do not trust the Dems. This is how much I do not trust government. Just mm -hmm. so you know where I'm at. I can't say for 100% fact. And that's where I'll leave it at. That's all I'm going to say.
That I don't trust. I'm just. Of I just like, do. I do not. Motives. I trust them so little mm. that I cannot speak. Because after that MSU shooting happened, I said the day it happened, Dems, please. I knew it was coming. Please give these families time to mourn, heal. Let Michigan State figure their stuff out before y'all start talking about changing laws. And it wasn't even one day later, they was already up there talking about changing laws. And I just know. When it so this is the problem that we have as a community, yo. This is what I'm talking about with head in the sand, and some people haven't gotten to this level yet. And I think Tam Tam just said it. Um, let me see. Tam just said it. State, local, and federal work on the honor system with with each other. This is how so much corruption happens, and who is left to suffer the people. What I'm saying is that the FBI killed Malcolm X, Martin Luther King. They killed so many Black Panthers. They've killed shit. There's even thought about them having something to do with Tupac being killed. If you think that all of that could happen and something so big as this couldn't happen, that's what I'm talking about head in the sand. I'm not saying that it did happen. I'm saying that I can't discount it completely. I can't say that I know 100% factual that this ain't, this ain't part of that situation. I can't say that. I can't say that. So that's all I'm saying. It's just that you don't, nothing happens that wasn't orchestrated out. So to have all of these bills written, ready to fucking fly like that fast, have it all thought out, have the campaigns going for it all. I'm not saying it's a direct correlation, like with that, that shooting, that thing happening and them having this ready. I'm saying that it's, it's even worse to me to think that they had all of that ready for just the next shooting that happens. The next one that happens in our state, let's get all this ready to go. So we'll have the media in place. They'll be all surrounding it with thoughts and prayers. We'll be able to come out and say that we don't want thoughts and prayers and, and we'll have these bills already ready to go. I just can't say that it ain't that it didn't go that way. It's sad. Hmm. Yeah, wag the dog. Yeah, all, all of them. Ooh. We believe that this stuff don't happen, man. It's just like we believe that our council and everybody else is doing what they're supposed to be doing, and they're not. We just believe that these boards, commissions, and elected officials know what they're doing, and we believe that they're down there doing their best. But just for remember us. this: the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So That's people right. can be well-meaning and they can have great hearts, but they may just not know. And ignorance is ignorance can be just as harmful and dangerous as willful. Um, what's the word? Blissful like, ignorance? No, no, no. Just like willful, like doing harm willful intentionally. Willful endangerment? Yeah, like like intentionally harming someone, ignorantly harming someone, it still feels the same hurt. Like, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I I, do, <laughs> I truly believe, like, I, I, I truly believe that they had all this ready for the next shooting. Like, Oxford happened, they oh, didn't. I th I f so this is what I'll say. This is how I felt about it. I felt like they already had a lot of stuff. It, it was very similar to me with the trigger laws that a lot of the states had. They had all these trigger policies and trigger laws ready for when Roe versus Wade was overturned. Yeah. Meaning it was all ready to go. It was packed. Everything was like they had it ready and it just triggered when to effect as soon as they overturned But let me it, tell so. you why this is so dangerous, though. Because those bills, this is what I'm saying. Now, listen to me very carefully. Those bills, they say, are to stop the next shooting. Oh, I know. So if that's true, then why didn't you bring those in before MSU was killed, if the people at MSU were killed, if that's if that what I just said is true, that you had these bills ready to go 
for the next thing that happens in the right timing and all of the media and everybody and all the people are ready to go. That's why. You sat on these things that are supposed to because stop that. Because they play with people's lives until That's they feel I'm like saying. they have all the votes or That's they have all saying. of that or they can't, you know. If you really it thought enough? it could stop it, you should have put it in place That's before that. So tonight, real quick before we leave, because I don't, I don't want to forget this, but um, when we were, there was some really great public comment tonight and I just wanted to re- just shout out and acknowledge the folks that showed up tonight um, because one of the things that was on the agenda and we put out an event for it, but the People's Council of Lansing, if you remember last October, we had a resolution that was sponsored by Brian T. Jackson, um, which they passed that was, you know, wanting two-way accessibility for governmental transparency. So that means hybrid meetings like we had during the pandemic for both council and committee meetings. Well, recently city council made a big hoopla of, you know, we're streaming committee meetings now. um, And that's wonderful. That's really good. You can sit and watch it and hear it. And at least you know what's going on with the committee meetings. Um, But it's really important to understand that that's not what we asked for. That's not what the push is for. That's not what, what, that's not what we asked for. So this is that uncomfortability. (laughs) This is what I talk about. You see what I'm saying? This is that uncomfortable moment where they've given you something and it's like, yeah, should I ask for the extra? Yeah, hey, we talked about this and yeah. Mike's like, well, you know, I don't know, you know, because, you know, he has a lot more inside line, you know, for, I have for a lot me. more at stake for being the hard pusher. Yes. And and for me, like it's a non-negotiable. I am a person that is personally affected by this. It's been something I've been pushing for for a long time because during the pandemic, first of all, it was nice to have that option. But again, anybody that knows me knows I do live with an invisible illness and it makes it very difficult to know if or when you're going to have the capacity in, in showing up in those ways. Like you have to show up in so many different ways. We live in a very ableist society, period. Like our society is very ableist. It does not take into consideration things that you do not have control over. And if you're somebody like me, I still believe firmly that my voice deserves to be heard. I believe it's valid. It's important. I want it heard. So just listening, that's not enough for me. No, that pisses me that's off. That's not enough for me. I don't want to sit and listen to that. Right. And then I can't even. Yeah. How hard it is to listen even when I get to speak. <laughs> you know how hard it is for me to sit through waiting for comment? Yeah. Like we speak both like you. And if you know anything about city council meetings, you get two opportunities to speak. The first opportunity, though, is items on the agenda. So it's items on the agenda. So often I'm, I want to speak twice because at the end you get to speak again, but you have to sit through the entire city council meeting to speak at the end, which is general. It doesn't have to be on agenda, just anything government related. So those are two very important times where, again, we as just citizens, regular voters in, in Lansing, Michigan, we get to have our voice heard. That is extremely important. So tonight we had members of the People's Council of Lansing, you know, show up and thankfully had their voices heard. They were able to make it so they could come in person to say, like, we have not forgotten about that resolution. We are still looking for the hybrid meetings. And what was so crazy, it was a couple things happened tonight I was really happy for. I was already prepared to speak to the fact that Ingham County Board of Commissioners has been doing hybrid meetings for like ever. Like they literally offer phone participation. um, So you can just call in on the phone and they also offer like the Zoom option. And it's not the best like setup or whatever, but it works. Um, And I love that. They've been doing that for a long time. And if I remember correctly, it was pre-pandemic. So they do that. Um, There's a couple of there's some Delta Township boards, Eaton County boards um, and, and commissions that also they don't offer zoom per se but they offer phone so you can call into a phone number and they'll unmute you if you have a question or if you so really simplistic right might be archaic but hey it works you still get your voice heard 
Um, tonight, we heard 54A District Court talk. Um, and thank you to Brian T. Jackson for asking the question. Because I'm like, good question. He asked, hey, y'all do, are holding court virtually hybrid. hybrid and so he asked how is that possible like what does it cost blah, they blah, hold blah. everything virtually. they hold everything virtually well it's both it's in person yeah you i mean you can have a whole trial virtual sure can and and i've watched them judge cynthia ward chimed in and she was like kind of excited to talk about it. she was like oh yeah we do them completely virtually and it costs us nothing and i was like oh. it's probably actually <laughs> even less expensive <laughs> to do it that way so and what really floored me is the nonchalant nature which they're doing it it has just become an integrated part of their everyday she said every judge has their docket and they know that their docket is hybrid so some might be coming in they have two she said two parties so you've got one person that might be at home coming in virtually and one person that comes in but everybody's got their ipad everybody knows to do that how to you know we've got breakout rooms if they need to all that set up and we just every day the judge knows this is hybrid so you're gonna have some people virtually and i thought every that, day and think about day. how many cases come in front of them and how many every different day. people they logistics of getting all these different people somebody's coming to hybrid never mind they're not somebody like then she said they can have breakout meetings and take lawyers over there to talk to the client if they're they can go to a separate room on an ipad to get on like come on and that's why we said if you're not going to give it to us say it and mike stop kicking the can down the road telling us you're thinking about it if you're not going to give us the hybrid function where we can speak both ways then you say it and we're going to keep asking and and you're going to tell us why and tell us why and you keep alluding to the budget issues and excuse me if I'm not, you know, accepting of that. There's a whole lot of wasteful spending that we see going on. And I really feel like there's some wiggle room, that there's some reallocation. You can find that little bit of money. We've already heard it, the like, reasons why they don't want to do it. They just haven't made it public. I've heard them. So I want yeah. you to put that in so public. So we've got to talk it. about that because this is something that is extremely important. So I was really, I wanted to talk about that before we got off because that was important. And that is a push. So we're going to continue. We haven't forgotten. You know, it's been six months, but that's okay. We're going to still continue to push because like I said, there's a lot of folks there was, you know, there were people that showed up tonight and there was some public hearings that were going to be set for make, um, make what is ready it? for demolish. Yeah. Make safe or demolish. Um, and these are people's homes. So you had a couple of people show up to talk about those one in particular about their own home and they got some questions answered that were probably really, really important. But now this person has to show up for two additional meetings in person. So again, this creates a lot of barriers if you, so we talked Christy, about that. if I they know, don't, then they're going to have to say us. it. They're going to have to tell yeah. us. You're That's the point. The thing. You're going to have to say it. Yep. And then we'll we'll deal with it from that point. But you're yep. just we're not going to kick the can down the road anymore. And I, I asked of Brian T. Jackson right there in front of everybody on record that I want you to make this your thing. You brought yep. that resolution in. I expect Follow you to stand on it. it yep. Then. Follow it through. See it through. Until I get up there. If I do, when I get up there, I'll take I've the reins. I've been trying to impress him. But, you know, it's a choice we're gonna talk about it tonight because i got till four o'clock tomorrow. i know four o'clock tomorrow i told him i would be his campaign manager just saying i run a mean campaign i'm just playing like I've been <laughs> <before>. <laughs> i'm just uh. i'm just talking shit <laughs> but i would i'd run a mean campaign but with that being said too public comment tonight was was phenomenal i really love that you pointed out the tale of two cities i think that's a phenomenal one mike also i have to say this analogy because it was hilarious you know it's like the laugh to keep from crying um but mike talked about anybody and this is probably dating us like aging us but he was like you tell you say it the analogy i said the city of lansing runs like somebody is playing the sims and if you know the sims game if you the sims could, if game you know, you know. it goes it goes even when you're not there 
So if you're not playing it and you don't come back to it for a long time, you like come back and, and it's your a whole virtual world fire. in life. And... Yeah. So I said the city of Lansing runs like the Sims, but somebody like this playing the game just put their phone down for six months. And so when you come back to it, like people are starved out and dead. The houses are on fire. There's no water running. Electricals all over the place. The grass is overran. And I was like, that's really what it looks like here in the city of Lansing. Like people just dropping the ball. And I was like, this is why you have all of these red flags popping up everywhere. These things don't happen in departments if they're being attended to every day. I'll tell you a perfect example of this. St. Casimir Church. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I walked into St. Casimir Church, it was for a diversity, equity, inclusion meeting that the mayor had set up. Right? Well, we went in there and I remember walking through the, the church and thinking, wow, it was so immaculately clean. Like the building was so beautiful. Right. And it was an old building. But it was very well taken care of. All the floors are well waxed. All the lights work. There was no like leak spots. And I'm a really, mm-hmm. I'm a real visual person. So when I walk in some place, I see all of that type of stuff. <laughs> and then I came back about a year later after St. Casimir had moved out of there. Mm-hmm. And the building just went to shit just like that. That quick. And it wasn't anybody's fault. It was just that there no was upkeep. no daily maintenance of it. So just over time, that leak that might have gotten dealt with, that one little ceiling panel that would have got fixed and a leak would have got fixed that day when they seen the problem, all of that started to accumulate. The yeah. roof fell through. The, the the basketball court was tore up. You know, like the, the hallways were the, the floors that I remember seeing that were as shiny as this right here were all dull and dirty and just dusty and everything was all over the place. And I remember thinking, like, this is what happens when people leave things to just sit and that's what's happening in the city of lansing just like the sims Mm. if you leave it to sit this is what's going to happen so all these departments that are having these problems in the city of lansing it's because it was left to sit either by somebody who didn't know their job somebody who was having too much fun going to events and partying with the mayor or just somebody who didn't would knew their job and wasn't good enough at it but these departments yeah with no oversight no accountability that player didn't pick up the game and play it. So all these people were just left to their own devices and they didn't know what to do. And there was no accountability day to day for that type of stuff. And this is why you see every department in the city of Lansing having problems Mm -hmm. because nobody is overseeing it. Just like St. Casimir, it's just dilapidated. And that's the idea. And it's like, it's just real life. And I don't know how people can't see it that way. Cause that's what I see every week. There's a new fire to put out in a department. That's been like, festering for years and then all of a sudden somebody like America gets a hold of it and we say something <laughs> and next thing you know the city council's digging into it and it's like nobody stops to think like we're neglecting all of these departments and this is why we keep having all these re- these fires pop up everywhere homelessness yep. isn't an overnight thing it's no. something that you guys let go oh for gosh. years and years and years and now it's gotten to the point where it's a problem it's like an infestation if you don't get you know like and I hate to put those two things together Please strike that part and just listen to what I'm saying. We had a problem here at America where we had one of our cameras that we put out and I was charging it and it was sitting on top of a table. And every night about three o'clock, we get this warning that something was on this camera. And I'm like, that camera sitting inside the building on the table. What the hell is going on? So I would look at it and it was a little mouse. Oh, baby. Like every day. Damn there. It was there. There, there. Now we went and got mouse traps and everything else. And like we've sealed up some holes and we haven't seen one yet. But could you imagine if we just left for the winter and left that little mouse and whatever family he came from to its Remember own? Remember the spiders? The spiders. We came back from one time. We came back from not being in the building for like two months and we had a spider infestation. 
in the building. They were nest. everywhere, falling from the damn ceiling and everything. Now, we took care of them, just so you guys know. We bombed. But if we had enough, that's what happens when you let Overrun. something fester and don't deal with it. And that's what we're seeing in the city of Lansing. That's why all these fires are coming up because <laughs> nobody's dealing with issues. The city of Lansing happened to get $175 million to build new fire stations. That's from festering. That's yeah. from just not dealing with the issue year after year after Knowing year after year after year. When you got eight lawsuits to pop up, that's from festering, not dealing with the issues that year mm. after year after year after year. So, so another um, real quick before we get off another uh, theme of the night that several people spoke on, of course, Mike and I included, was you know the fact that our this administration, this mayor and his administration, cre- they're the root of a lot of our issues. They're the cause, like they're the cause of the issues, yeah. and. T- today I was I wanted to teach the the council because I and I'm so glad I had to look it up and I remembered it. But this came from a conversation that I had at like a team meeting, group meeting, or whatever at work a long time ago, and I couldn't remember the term. And it's so funny because you keep using this reference and using the analogy, and we all did of like the city being on fire, putting out all these fires. So in the corporate hmm. world or like the business world, there's a term um, that's used. It's called firefighting. And what firefighting is, is it describes situations where a person or a team only addresses problems that arise as a result of their own actions and actions and decisions. And it's a very ineffective and harmful, as we see, way of of, of working. Um, If the person responsible for creating the problems is also the one who's tasked with solving them, the root causes are never addressed, just the symptoms. And it's just long enough for the most recent fire that they started to be put out. Which is what we see with the city of Lansing all the time. I've said this over and over again at council. And council who watches this, listen to what she's saying. The point is, I've said this at a council a thousand times. The mayor creates a problem, lets it fester, keeps it quiet. Then when we find out about it, we bring it to you or we bring it to the America or we tell people about it. And then the America gets to be or the mayor gets to be a champion for the problem that he caused. Just like his racial alliance and all that. He caused that problem. And then he now he's given money and tasks to fix the problem he caused without ever taking accountability for it. He starts the fire and then you all task him to put the fire out. And nobody steps in to be like, dude, you're the reason. Now, MIDAC actually did. MIDAC, who, the mayor's in racial diversity and equity or whatever the hell it was, the first group he put together in 2018, they came out and stated it. You mayor shore are accounting for most of these problems that we're having your administration is it named it right there this was in 2019 this was this was out official report and then he that. was also given the ability to fix his problem that he started without ever taking accountability for being a problem of it he's a firefighter mm-hmm. he's a firefighter and they literally do only take on problems that they're that they cause yep. themselves and the problem with that is that the solutions are so one-dimensional they don't take into any consideration anything of actually solving any type of the systemic issues. All it's all he's really concerned with is saving face and saving his reputation. So the so you, the problems caused by him and his administration. So then he swoops in and gives a half-ass like solution, but the solution is really just a band-aid. That's a band-aid that's going to stay on just long enough for his reputation to be salvaged. That's dangerous. What you know, and and I didn't get a chance to say it, but. When a when the reputation of a mayor takes priority over the well being of the city, we're all we're, we're all in danger because all political all solutions all uh, um, strategy decisions all of these things are only taken into consideration political strategy and reputation being saved 
versus what the actual long-term solution should be. So right. that's why these systemic issues just fester and they become worse and worse and worse because we're not actually solving any of the issues. Which is why... And, and I'll leave new you issues all are this. being created along the way. That's right. Which is why, I'll leave you with this, we need to move away from a strong mayor and move towards a council manager or a Absolutely. city manager because then you take away the top person having any political attachments. They're just here to do an administrative job. We'll talk about that on one of our next shows. Uh, just real quick, just so you all know, and this may not be for anybody here watching because it's kind of late, but two things. Um, and I don't know if we do. Did we want to, we wanted to talk about team glass for sure. Real quick. Oh yeah. Throw that out there but uh, I want to. Oh, and what? I forgot. Um, we're hosting Friday. That's this Friday, right? Friday. The um, Soul Fire. Oh, Soul Fire. Yes. We'll talk about that this week though. Okay. Today's only Monday. Yeah. We will come on Wednesday. No, today's. Today's Monday. Today's Monday. Yeah. But I will be, Mike Lynn, me, I, will be on the Carl Nelson show, radio show, on Wednesday from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m., really early in the morning. But it's recorded. It's a nationally or internationally syndicated show on Radio 1. Um, and Carl Nelson, if you haven't ever heard of him, look him up. He's interviewed some amazing people. Uh, interviewed Nelson Mandela when he first got out of prison. Uh, interviewed multiple presidents. Uh, just huge done a whole lot of huge interviews and i actually got connected with him through my dad uh down in florida there was actually at an event and found him through that um but anyways um i'm gonna put in here i'll put on america anyways uh where you can listen to the interview and it's an hour-long interview it's, so it's gonna be a big in-depth interview on everything that i've been up to what's been going on with me uh but carl nelson with radio one so look him up carl nelson and carl, carl is spelled with a c Okay, that's what I was going to ask. Yep. And what day is this? Uh, Wednesday, April 26th. And I'll put this information on America for anybody who wants to listen to it. But it also will be given to us in podcast form. So we will probably air it right here on the, on America, too, so you guys can hear it. But it'll be live on the air on, on Wednesday from 6 to 7 a.m. Perfect. And I'm going to... We're going international, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. What should I wear? just... <laughs> All right, I'm ready to go to bed. Okay. All right, y'all. Well, we love y'all. I hope y'all got a little understanding uh, about what we uh, what we encountered at council today. <laughs> Tam said you need to go to bed so you can get up and file tomorrow to run for council. I know. <clears throat> you know, yeah, I'd, I'd walk some doors. I'm for you. concerned. I'm concerned. I'm concerned. Um, but uh, we'll see. Tomorrow by four o'clock, I have. I don't know if I can come up with a hundred bucks though. Can I come up with a hundred dollars to do this? Oh, I don't no. know. Uh, so anyways um yeah that's it so thank y'all for showing up here on this monday late late night uh when we put this out remember we're on youtube we're on uh actual podcast now so you can look for it on all so your you all your podcast spot. Show, check yep. it out tomorrow it's all there so check us out um outside of that i think that's it we love y'all yes. hope to talk to you not about you peace <laughs>